Monday. God is good, amen. Um, our Lord is good. I just want to encourage you tonight that um, the Lord has not lost control. What the enemy, enemy means for evil, God will turn for good. And we just got to be understand. We got to understand that our God is in total control. That we may not know uh, the beginning from the end, but He does. He's the Alpha and He's the Omega. He's the beginning. He's the end. He's the first and He's the last. So I mean, just be re rest, uh, rest in your spirit and in your soul that God is in control. Amen. And as we press into Him, and as we get led by the Holy Spirit in every situation. Don't assume you know what's going on. Don't assume things are, are settled. Don't assume based on your what you see. Uh, you know, Adam and Eve went by what they saw. See, Adam and Eve in the garden didn't have to believe for anything. Everything was given to them freely. But the only thing they had to believe for by faith is if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. And so they went by sight because it looked good to the eyes. They went by uh, the enemies lying to them by saying, you won't die, you'll be like God. In other words, God's holding out on us. So they thought, okay, we'll eat. And when Adam saw Eve eat, nothing happened. So he ate. And then as we know that uh, their eyes were open and they knew they were naked. So they went by sight and not by faith. But we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. God's not withholding from us. God is protecting us. But as we press into him, we'll get direction from the Holy Spirit. Let's not assume what we think is right and what's happening and what's not happening. We need to understand that we have been given a task and just like a soldier who doesn't get entangled with civilian affairs, he stays on course to what he's called to do. Amen. So praise God. Tonight's message, I want to, uh, talk to you. I, I'm gonna. I, I was going one direction, and the Lord changed it, and we're going another direction. But either way, He's got the right direction because He says I'm the way, so I'm just gonna follow His way. But ultimately, I'm here to edify your spirits and 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 to show you what the Lord is doing in our hearts in this in this time. Um, when we look at when we ever look throughout the Scripture and you know, go through the Bible, I never see you know people like to tell you what God is doing. But ultimately, the Bible speaks for itself. I remember many years ago, he said, that, uh, we're trying to interpret Scripture. And one guy said to me, Scripture interprets Scripture. I thought, oh, wow. You know? So oh, I'll read the Bible. He goes, no, the Bible reads you. So let's, let's, let's go into the Word of God and come out. Let's not try to bring our stuff and bring it in to the Word of God. And a lot of the times we seem to go by our experiences, go by what we've been taught, uh, and just go by the way everyone else is going. If everyone believes it, it must be true. But I want to share tonight with you that you go through, I can't, pick a guy in the Bible, pick a, pick a character in the Bible, pick Old Testament, New Testament, man or woman. And I'll guarantee you they went through a fiery furnace. They went through a desert experience. They went through a wilderness experience. They went through hardship. No one had it easy. I can't see one person that had it easy in the Scripture. And what God was doing in their lives was preparing him for a greater glory. Christ himself never went through an easy road. Um, and we can go through anyone in the, in the Bible. So we sometimes we can believe a, a lie that, yes, Jesus came to set the captives free. Yes, Jesus came to heal the brokenhearted. Yes, Jesus came to give us life and life that more abundantly. That is so true. But sometimes we get that mixed up with our own desires. We get mixed up that the freedom we have in Christ is for me only. Sometimes we get that mixed up between, well, the preacher said, I'll get this if I ask for that. Well, hang on. Have we asked God what he wants to give us? So this is the in the area of our life where we, uh, we have a Western gospel. We have a Western theology. Uh, we have a Western behavioral system. And this is a Middle Eastern book. This is a traditional book, and Jesus has got a purpose and a plan for our lives. And a lot of people get dis disappointed because we said, oh, this is how it's been done. This is how it should go. No, no, no. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen? The Bible says, the joy of the Lord is my strength. 
as I said, the joy of my money, the joy of my house, the joy of my business, the joy of my career, and they're all great things. Don't get me wrong. But the joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? So, um, so I just want to encourage you today that you might think, oh, well, my, my, I've, had a, I've, had, I've had my life mapped out, and when I came to Christ, I, I have all these promises from God and, and, and my picture of where I'm supposed to be and where I'm supposed to go is this way but it doesn't seem to be working now. Well, that's where God wants you to be. Because if God has promised you something, God has spoken into your spirit, showed you a vision, showed you a dream in your heart. He showed you a purpose and a plan. I know what God spoke to me 19 years ago. And I thought I could bring it to pass my way. But I learned very quickly, my way is not the right way. And I'm here 19 years. I'll be 19 years this September, this, this month, born again, spirit-filled. And nothing's changed for me. Not, what he spoke in my heart 19 years ago is going to come to fruition. He hasn't changed his mind. He hasn't changed my course. I've changed my mind. I've changed my course. But, the, but the, the promise is still the same. When God speaks into your heart, he's going to fulfill the purpose and plan. We might, do, we might abort the mission every now and then. We might take, it, take the long way. But that's not God. That's us. And the quicker we learn to yield to him, the quicker we'll get to our destination when we're going. Uh, uh, God's spoken in my heart about many things that have not happened yet. Talks about the harvest coming. Talks about the city. Uh, he spoke to me specifically about my city. Um, he spoke to me about, um, I, I have this saying, which everyone, uh, I have to say it every week because people get upset if I don't. So if you win the fathers, you win the family. You win the family, you win the nation. And yesterday was Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to everyone who's a father uh, out there and want to be father or have your own fathers. God bless you. But I had the greatest day because my heavenly father looked upon me 2,000 years ago and sent his son to die for me. Let's not ever forget what Jesus did at the cross. Amen. And, and what he's spoken to my life has not changed. What he's spoken and promised me has not changed. See, I know my time's not up. I know what's going around us is, is it's pretty harsh, but I do know that God's going to come and fulfill the purpose and plans that he's promised us. So I want to encourage you. I often say when you're down in the dumps and you don't know what to do and you think your life's over, go back to the very first word God shared with you. What did he speak into your heart that very first time and he touched you with his love? Everyone's got one. I'm not talking about I'm going to do this for him and I'm going to do that for him. I'm talking about that very moment when you knew that the whole of heaven stopped just because of you. And I go back to that moment in time and get that to encourage you. Um, you look at the you look at Joseph, and he had all these dreams, and he told his brothers, and his dreams were real, all from God. So he went from these dreams that his brothers will bow down to him, and his parents will bow down to him, and he'll overrule. And he went from the pit to the palace to the dungeon to, to be second in charge of Egypt. But in that process, I think it was 10 years in the dungeon when he got accused by Potiphar's wife. She would come to him every day and every day he would reject her till one day she accused him of rape and got sentenced, put in stocks and in a dungeon in a jail cell. And you've got to understand, and not, that's not my message, but you've got to understand, he wasn't just in a jail. He wasn't in a five-star resort with human rights and political correctness telling him what to do. And having, he had no rights. You'd live, breathe, and die in your own everything. If you vomited, you lived in your vomit. You went to the toilet where you were. It was no pretty sight. And he was there for 10 years. And then after 10 years, two men, the butler and the baker, come in and they have dreams. And he could have said, dreams don't happen. I had a dream once. Look where I ended up. I got sold by my brothers. They wanted to kill me. Then I got accused falsely. Look where I am. God gave me a dream. And look where I ended up. You know, imagine if, imagine if uh, Joseph had a bitter, twisted heart. I'm sure he would have asked that question, why God? But when it came time and these two men had dreams, he could have said, forget it. I'm not interpreting nothing. 
doesn't work, it's a lie. Uh, all these things. He would have died in that dungeon. But instead he tells them their dream. After 10 years, being locked up in a dungeon, after you've heard the promises of God and all you can see is four walls and darkness in prison. And yet here comes an opportunity. His heart didn't fail him. I often think of Peter when Jesus said, Peter, Satan has asked to sift you like a wheat, but I have prayed that your faith doesn't fail you. And when you return, strengthen your brothers. Hallelujah. Joseph, in that moment in time, had every reason to say this does not work. This is, doesn't happen. God has forgotten us. He promises us. It's his fault. We can accuse God. We can accuse the devil. But ultimately, he turns around and says, this is your dream. Remember me. And when he does interpret the dreams, they both come to pass. One of the dreams was, when are you going to live? When are you going to die? But the one that was going to live said, please don't forget me. Go tell Pharaoh what I have done. And he forgot him. I think it was two years later when Pharaoh started having dreams and no one could interpret the dreams. And then the, he remembered, oh, hang on, the butler remembered, oh. Uh, and he sent a message to Pharaoh and said, there was a man that told me everything about my dream. And he finally gets out, talks, tells, tells Pharaoh his dream, and then um, he gets promoted. And from the time he got sold to the time he became second in charge of Egypt, it was 19 years. And after those years, his brothers came. And he recognized his brothers that sold him. They didn't recognize him. And then he saved his brothers, his family, and he actually saved Israel. Hallelujah. And you look at that, he went for a fiery furnace. He went through the worst of the worst you could possibly go through. And he allowed the process. It wasn't easy. It wasn't comfortable. But he allowed the process to come. He went through that process to fulfill the ultimate goal that God wanted him to fulfill. Hallelujah. I want to share with you tonight about the fiery furnace of God. And I know it sounds scary, it sounds, oh, here we go, but I want to tell you about the fiery furnace, what it means. A lot of, uh, you look in the Bible everywhere that, you know, in Hebrews it talks about that God is a consuming fire. Uh, Hebrews 12, 28 and 29, for if you're taking notes. Uh, and while we're on the subject, welcome to everyone on Facebook and on uh, YouTube. Um, it's a blessing to have you with us. I want to encourage you tonight that this work that God started, he will complete. The work he's began in you, he will complete. Don't abort the mission. Don't step off the track. Don't get off the horse. Stay on the wagon, whatever analogy you want. But God has got a purpose and a plan for our life that he will complete. He's looking for a generation of people that will stick solid because of his name. He's looking for a generation of people that are not going to be swayed by every wind and doctrine, every situation and circumstance. He's looking for people that will love one another enough to lift each other up. You know, Hebrews 12, 28, as I said, it was, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, hallelujah, we're in a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptable with the reverence and godly fear for our God is a consuming fire. And you go through the scripture a lot. There's a lot of things about fire. Talks about uh, in, um, we'll, we'll go to Luke in a second, but it talks about God being a consuming fire. It talks about God burning, refining us like fire. Let, let, uh, you know what? Let's go to Luke. No, actually, let's go to Malachi. Let's go to Malachi. Malachi chapter 3. Now, I'm not going to ask for tithes and offerings. Relax, all right? So if you've been in the church long enough, as soon as you go to Malachi, you hold your wallet so no one takes it, you know? Hallelujah. I'm joking, people. For those who don't know what I'm talking about, inbox me later. <laughs> I'll give you my bank account. I'm joking. All right. Malachi chapter 3, verse 1. And it says here, well, let me read it. It says, behold, 
I send a messenger and he will prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant in whom you delight. Behold, he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure that day of his coming? And who can stand in he, when he appears? For he is like a refining fire and like a launderer's soap. He will sit at the refiner and purify the silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver. And they, and they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. Now, if you know enough to know that if you read Malachi 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, and 6, it talks about the coming of the Messiah. Malachi was a prophet, um, and he spoke to the people. By this time, the Jewish people had become so uh, corrupt, so evil, worshipping idols. Uh, earlier it says you're robbing God with your tithes and offerings. It talks about you say evil is good and good is evil. And you can go on and on and on. But in chapter 3, he talks about, oh, behold, I sent two messages. He is talking about two messages. One would come to prepare a way, and the one that would come would be the messenger or he would be, as it says here, the covenant, the messenger of the covenant. And he sits about the temple. Now, you have a look at it in his detail. Let's go to Luke. I want to share this with you in Luke. He talks about here refining silver and purifying gold. Let's go to Luke chapter 3. And I want to share this with you. This is I wasn't going down this way, but the Lord led me down this way. And it talks about here in Luke 3 about John the Baptist. And let's go from the beginning. Verse, let's go to verse 7 for the sake of time. I want you to bear with me. I want to paint a picture here and see what the Lord is doing in our hearts. Amen. It says here, then he said to the multitude that came out to be baptized by him, you brought of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Therefore bear fruits worthy of repentance and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I say to you that God is able to raise up children, the children of Abraham from these stones. And even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. So people asked him, saying, what shall we do then? He answered them and said to them, he who has two eunuchs, let him give to him who has, any, who has none. And he who has food, let him do likewise. Then the tax collectors also came to him and baptized and said to him, teacher, what shall we do? He said to them, collect no more than what is appointed to you. Otherwise the soldiers, likewise the soldiers asked him, saying, and what shall we do? And she, uh, so he said to them, do not intimidate anyone or accuse falsely and be content with your wages. Now, as the people were in expectation of all reason in their hearts about John, whether he was the Christ or not, John answering, saying to them, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandals, straps, I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And it's amazing when John was preaching about the repentance of baptism. See, when you preach the true gospel of Jesus, people will automatically come up to you and say, what must I do to be saved? What must I do to change my life? You don't have to tell them you're going to stop doing this and stop. They should have a conviction inside. These guys are asking, what should I do? As if it's wrong, if it's not wrong to, to accuse people and steal their money. Think about it for a second. Or the tax collectors stealing more money. Have you ever wondered why a tax collector is always mentioned in the Bible? And then, now, to us Lebos, we don't want to pay tax to the ATO. They all they they're considered tax collectors. But here was that the reason they were considered lowlifes is a lot of the tax collectors were Jews working on behalf of Rome, and they were taking more taxes than they should have off their fellow brothers, their fellow men, and they were keeping some for themselves and then giving some to Rome. They were getting a commission. So imagine that. And yet when they came to see John, John just rebukes him and he tells him the truth. He goes, he goes bear, bear fruit worthy of repentance. Don't just repent and then you stay the same. And he says, now stop doing this, stop doing this, and stop doing this. They talked about it and they, they thought, well, this must be the Messiah. And he says, 
And then he told him, he says, I'm not even worthy to untie his laces. But when he comes, he'll baptize you not only in water, he'll baptize you with fire. And let's go to verse 17. This is something I never knew till about an hour ago, half an hour ago. And it says here, some translation says he's fanning or winning fan or winning shovel is in his hand and he'll thoroughly clean out the threshing floor and gather the wheat into the barn, but the chaff will be burnt with unquenchable fire. And with many other exhortations he preached to the people, but Herod, um, and then he goes on to talk about Herod and marrying his brother's wife. But what I want to focus on here is I looked this up and the chaff, or another translation says the husks. The husk is the outside shell of anything. So you have the outside shell of, uh, of nuts and different types of uh, wheat and grains. And he had a shovel and a fanny shovel and they would thresh it on the floor and then they would scrape it and they would peel the shell or the outer covering of anything, wheat, um, grain, anything. And that chaff or that husk will be thrown into a fire and be burnt off. Now, this is talking about the separation between the people that repent and people that don't repent. So don't misunderstand me here. But the Lord just spoke to my heart and said, what is on the outer shell, Tony? And I had a look at another. So I was mucking around. And I found husk and I, I, I Googled it. And then I, on my, on, my, on my Bible app here, I can actually look at the different translation. And it's amazing. It says the, the chaff is the outer shell or the outer covering of something. Can I ask you a question? The Bible says the flesh accounts for nothing. Our outer shell speaks of the flesh, speaks of the soul, the outer shell. Because the inner man, when you gave your life to Jesus, was Jesus was born again. John says here, he'll baptize you outwardly, yeah, water, but he will baptize you in the Holy Ghost inwardly and with fire. Isn't it an amazing thing that, External judgment burns off. Anything that's not of God gets burnt away. But internally, when you get born again, guess what? The fire starts to purify you. It strips away the outer coating. It strips away the flesh. It strips away the covering, the facade. But the inner man gets purified every day. Hallelujah. So we don't walk according to the flesh, but we walk according to the spirit. Does that make sense? Because when you have an understanding about the fire of God, a lot of people get scared. The fire of God burns away the dross, burns away the chaff, takes away. So when I got full of the Holy Spirit, it wasn't just I got born again in the in the blood of Jesus, hallelujah. But when I got filled with the Holy Spirit and fire, that fire was there too. What does a fire do? There's many things a fire does. It burns, it lights up, it illuminates, it heats. It brings warmth. And if you go a bit further, fire of the Holy Ghost. If the, 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 Remember we spoke about the robe of the robes of the garment of praise last week. And I talked about the garment that comes from above. You've got the bottom garment, which is the, gar- the drawers or the breaches of salvation. Then you have the white garment from above, which speaks of our righteousness. Then it speaks, the blue robe speaks of us. Um, the blue robe speaks of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In fire, the hottest flame you get out there, look it up, is the blue flame. The hottest part of the flame is the blue part. The robe is usually purple or blue. It speaks of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. At the bottom of the robe, you had a pomegranate and a bell. A pomegranate and a bell, side by side. The pomegranate speaks of love, the fruits of the Spirit, and the bell speaks of the gifts of the Spirit. Inside the bell, there's a tongue. Remember Paul said, you, in in, in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, talks about the gifts of the Spirit, but then chapter 13 talks about love. You can speak of tongues of angels to prophesy or have no love. You're like a clanging symbol. Amen? Then chapter 14 goes back to the gifts of the Spirit. So there you go. Chapter 12, a bell. Chapter 13, pomegranate, love. Chapter 14, the gifts of the Spirit, bell. See, if there was no pomegranate, when the high priest would walk, the two bells would hit each other and they'd be like a clanging symbol. Hallelujah. The Holy Spirit has not left anything out, has not made any mistakes. But if there's no love, 
Guess what? The two bells hit each other and it's like a clanging cymbal. But when there's love in them between them, the pomegranate, then the bells can operate in the love of God and the gifts of the Spirit. But here John's talking about this. If you read Malachi again, you go back to Malachi and you read further. Let's go back to Malachi for a second. If you don't want to, I can. Because I'm in charge, not you. Here we go. That's a joke. Um, so verse 2 says, But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refining fire and he, the launderer's soap. Um, he will sit at the refiner and purify, purify of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and, pu and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer the Lord an offering of righteousness. Then he goes on to say, verse 4, then the offering of Judea and Jerusalem will be pleasant to the Lord as in the days of old and as the former years, and I will come near you for judgment. I will be swift witness against, this is this, against the sorcerers, against the adulterers, against the perjurers, against those who exploit wages, wage earners, widows and orphans. And against those who turn away <laughs> an alien. An alien is a foreigner. Because they do not fear me, says the Lord of hosts. For I am the Lord that does not change. Hallelujah. And remember what John the Baptist said to the uh, to the to the soldiers and to the tax collectors and to all other. He says, Don't steal. Be happy with your wages. Don't false accusations and intimidate people. Can you see a picture here? This is talking about Israel. This is talking about where they ended up towards the end before Christ came. And it's the same picture. Than Matt. It says, I'll send a messenger before him, and then the one with the covenant will come. This is John the Baptist. It talks about the Elijah to come. And John the Baptist is warning that there's a man coming with fire. He's going to separate the goats from the sheep, the chaff from the from the wheat. But also here he says that, and I'll come against those who come against the widow, the orphan, um, the, those who uh, exploit wages. Listen to me. Malachite's talking about two comings here. He's referring to Jesus' first and second coming. Hallelujah. He's talking about, we know the covenant was made on the temple. Jesus came, died on the cross, and made a covenant, an everlasting covenant. But his second coming, he'll make sure that everything is paid for. He'll come and fight the battle for us. He's the only one that can save us from what's going on. Hallelujah. And you've got to understand, but in that process, in that process, he's refining us like silver and he's purifying us like gold. Praise be to Jesus. I don't know if you're excited, but I'm excited. See, every time you go for a desert experience, a wilderness experience, trials and tribulations, God is allowing you to go through these to purify you. Proverbs 17.3, refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tests the hearts. 1 Peter, beloved, do not think it strange concerning your fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing is happening, <laughs> but rejoice that and extend that, that you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad and exceedingly joy. If you are reproached for his name, the name of Christ, blessed are you for the spirit of glory and the God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but you, your part, he is glorified. How many people lost their jobs standing by faith? 1 Peter 1, 6, 7. In this you are greatly, you greatly rejoice through, though now for a little while, if you need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise and honour and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. See, the fire isn't here to hurt you. Listen to me. If you don't get nothing tonight, get this. The trials and the tribulations and the fires, the arrows aren't here to hurt you. It's to bring you to a place 
of maturity. It's to bring you to a place that you could stand the, and, and fight the good fight of faith. I, I, I can't say it any other way other than I had this great analogy. I thank Will, Will for this. Will sent me something and and it just really confirmed what I had to preach. Uh, this talks about refining silver. Isn't it amazing that when they refine silver, they put it in a thing called a crucible or a pot. It's really a pot, but they actually call it a crucible. Now, if you understand the what uh, the symbolic in the Bible, silver represents redemption in the Bible. Gold represents divinity. Crucible puts silver in there and they burn it under a fire to get rid of the dross and get rid of the, imp- the, the, the metals that aren't silver and all the imperfections and it comes to the top. God, Christ was crucified. Silver, grace, redemption. Gold, we inherit. After that, we inherit eternal life. We partake in God's divine nature, gold, gold and silver. You know, this revelation from Pastor Celia, and it was amazing. He said it, and I just went over my head till I got a revelation of it. Remember when Peter and John were walking to the temple and the man was begging? And I've always often asked myself a question. That man, they reckon he begs there day and night. In front of the temple gate, the gate beautiful, which is the entrance into uh, the, to the synagogue and to the marketplace and everything. It's a main entrance. And he there and John and John and, and, and Peter and John walk and the man's begging. And Peter stops and says, gold and silver I do not have. But what I do have, I'll give unto you. In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, get up and walk. And I think to myself, hang on, that guy's there every day. So Jesus must have walked past him. Thinking, scratching my head. So I'm not that smart. So I left it out. And then you understand, he says, gold and silver I do not have. And he wasn't asking for gold and silver. He was just asking for maybe a silver coin or maybe a, a, a denarii. And they looked at him and said, gold and silver I do not have. You know what it was Peter was really saying? Gold, divinity, I do not have. And redemption, I cannot give you. But there is one that can give you gold and silver, divine healing, divine miracles, divine red, and silver, which is grace and mercy and redemption. But his name is Jesus of Nazareth. Get up and walk. Hallelujah. But as he is, so are we in this world. And if you be my disciple, anyone take up his cross and follow me, these works you will do and greater than these you will do because I go to the Father. Hallelujah. So silver... And the Bible says, let me read it to you again and I'll explain it. And it says, he watches over it, the silver, when he, um, where am I? He will sit as a refiner, is verse 3, and purify silver. And again, I give this credit to Will. It's an awesome analogy. Lady was reading this scripture and wanted to know what that meant. So she rang up a silversmith. And the silversmith said, can I come and watch how you refine silver? He said, sure. He comes in. He gets it. They put it in a pot. They burn it. And they put it out. And they put it over the fire. They put it in the hottest part of the fire. And says, what's happening now? Because, well, it's burning all the dross. All the imperfections is getting burnt off. Um, uh, all the the uh, the... The, the metals that are not meant to be there, the, imp- the impurities will come to the top and will get the, the true s- silver to, 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 as a, as a, to, under the fire. It will bring up the true silver and get rid of all the imperfections. And she's watching him and he's watching over this and he's turning it and turning it in the fire. She says, how long do you do this for? Because it could take 20, 30, 40, 50 minutes to do this but we watch over it. And he's sitting there intently watching the fire. Then she asked a question. She said, so when is it, when do you know when it's ready? He goes, yeah, you've got to be careful. If you go over, you can burn it all up. So she says, how do you know? How do you know when it's ready? He says, oh, that's easy. As soon as I see my image in the silver, then it's ready. Hallelujah. 
when God puts us through the refining fire, when God puts us, allows us to go through certain things in life, when we come under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and fire, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you get to, you know, when we, let me say, for lack of a better word, when I'll yield myself to God's order and in obedience, guess what God's doing? He, the Holy Spirit, what's the Holy Spirit's job? To form Christ in me, the hope of glory. When the, when the silversmith sees his image, that's enough. It's perfect. When God can see his image in us, when we can start operating like Christ-likeness, and I'm not talking about signs and wonders. I'm talking about the attitude of our hearts. I, I, I often say this. Everything I've been through was hard. And I don't want to go back what we've been through, but I've been busted and disgusted. I've been broke. I've been homeless. I've lost my reputation. I've lost my career. I've lost my house. I've lost my car. I've been through all that hell, trust me, and then some. Then sickness hits you. And then tribulation hits you. Then accusations hit you. And you go through hell and back. And you wonder. And you don't know. But guess what God's doing? He's purifying us. Someone said to me, did God do it? No. Did the devil do it? No. So I did it. I made the mistakes. I want to blame God. Or I want to say God made me go through it because he needed me. Rubbish. Or I can blame the devil. See, any decision I make, the devil will write on it. Any right decision I make, God will empower it. Someone's going to empower something. But I can honestly step back and say the process I went through was refining so he can see his image in us. So no matter what I've been through, would I like to go through it again? No chance. But I'm glad I have because I wouldn't be the person I am today if I didn't go through that. The problem is when it gets a bit hot, some people jump out. Some people stop. Some people abort the mission. Some people go the opposite direction. Some people start accusing God. Some people say it doesn't work. Some people say there's a lot of things people will say, but I want to honestly say something to you. This is from the bottom of my heart. And honestly, I, I, I can only honestly say this, that if you allow God to, do, to, to complete what he started in you, because he still needs your permission, he still needs your yielding, he still needs to know that you are willing to be obedient. He still needs to know that while I'm going through that process, while, while I, I feel like I'm dying every day, and once I, you know, you'll find very quickly in the kingdom of God, you'll get through one hurdle and say, praise the Lord, and then another one around the corner. But then the battle gets easier because I know who's with me. The battle gets easier. I'm not saying God put sickness on you to teach you. That's a lie from the pit of hell. If you believe that, re repent now. Can I learn something? Absolutely. But I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about those type of trials. I'm talking about when you stand up for righteousness and holiness, when you stand up for what's the gospel, when you preach the gospel, when you operate in the kingdom of God, the enemy will come after you. It's just a fact. And sometimes the process that we're going through, sometimes we are going through a wilderness experience, not because God says, you know what, it's a year or two. It's because sometimes they are disobedient. See, the people uh, that got, came out of Egypt, should have been a year project, in, out, sorry, out, in. Because of the disobedience and the murmuring and the complaining, only two entered. The rest of them didn't even get to the promised. 40 years later. It wasn't God's plan for them to go 40 years. It was this, the decision was theirs. The best prayer you could ever pray is, Lord, whatever you're doing, do it quickly. But he will answer back. Whatever I'm doing, you better obedient. <laughs> better offer my body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God. This is the process that God's taken us through. The best thing about the process is some things you need to go on your own. It's something between you and God. And some things you need your fellow man to come and help you. And you need to discern the, the two. Times I'm alone with the Lord. That's my time. God's doing a work on the inside of me to prepare me. What's he preparing us for, man? Look, seriously. Heaven? 
I mean, we'll get our rewards in heaven. We will I'm pray that one day I'll go there and the Lord says, good, well done, good and faithful servant. But it's also a time where he's going to show us what we missed out on because of our disobedience or our lack of faith. But what's he preparing us for? He's preparing us now what? To do more good works or is he preparing us to preach to more people? I mean, the Bible says that no one comes to God unless the Spirit of God draws him. It's his gifting on our life that people get healed. It's the Spirit of God that gets them saved. I mean, what's he preparing us for? He wants to see his image in us. He's preparing us now so we can be Christ-like, so we can operate just like him in the kingdom. See, Jesus was crucified that he could be multiplied. He wasn't just crucified because we're dirty, rotten sinners and we need a saviour and God was angry. Yeah, that was part of it. But he was crucified that he could be multiplied. Hallelujah. We have to understand, first and foremost, how much he loves us. Some people haven't even settled that bit. Does God really love me? Do I receive the love of God? Am I looking left and right every time something goes wrong or am I just stable? Perfect love casts out all fear. Fear has to do with torment and punishment and the love of God's not perfected in me if I'm walking in that. But I speak to a guy now who's on the verge of suicide and I send a message to someone, let me speak to him. My heart breaks, I get a call every day. Whether it's suicide, whether I want to walk out, whether I've given up, whether I just can't do this anymore. It's every day. It's every, every day. My heart breaks. Just heard of a young girl, a young guy, 15, just committed suicide. They said there's no hope. Man, we are the, we're the answer. The church is the answer. The body of Christ is the answer. And the first thing God's saying, fill them with the Holy Ghost straight away. I'm not going to try and teach you this. Get filled with the Holy Spirit straight away. Because it's the Holy Spirit's job. It's the Holy Spirit's job. It's only the Holy Spirit can touch them. And then we can train them and teach them and pray for them. But just listen to me. Get Let the Holy Spirit do the work. But where are his arms and where are his feet? In, people are reaching out every day. I've never never been like this before. In my 19 years in the Lord, I'm, people are just so willing to hear the gospel. They want hope. They're, everything's been ripped off them. The trust in everything is gone. But my hope is in the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Christ in me, the hope of glory. And the fiery furnace is a place where God puts you through to refine you to see his image in you. So now I operate in the image of Christ, in the nature of Christ. Hallelujah. It's like Rab says all the time, the salvation is the beginning. And I praise God for my Salvation. Praise God for the blood of Jesus. I praise God for the cross and the finished work of the cross. Is that it? Oh, we got more. Is that it? So I want to be like Christ. Oh, you'll never be like Christ. So I'll be like so some people say, Oh, you can never live up to that standard. So you live like the devil. <laughs> so could I don't think I'm gonna obtain that? There's not a standard to there's not a standard to get. I just want to be like my father in heaven. Not a standard or a level or a height. It's none of that. It's, it's surrender. I want to be just like you. Hallelujah. Christ wants to form, the Holy Spirit in us wants to form Christ in us. And I'm sorry, but there's no other way but to go through the fire. See, my what the Lord spoke to my heart when I was a very young Christian has not changed. He has not said something to me. Different than what he said to me. Not, God's not schizophrenic. God doesn't change his mind. It's the same word he spoke to me. But it was me that had to change to get along with God. Not God change. See, I wanted instant success. I wanted to do things straight away. I had a vision of how I'm going to do it. I love what Pastor Bronx said to me once. I've been in the ministry, what, 30, 40 years, and they're big on fasting and praying in the spirit and, you know, being a student of God's word and meditating on God's word and confessing the word and assimilating the word. And one day he got asked a question. You've been in the ministry 30 years, but you've only got X amount of I don't know how many people in this church. 
And he said, but the bloke down the road's got, mate, he's growing in numbers. There's thousands there. And he said, and I was talking to him about it, and he said to me, look, I praise God that you guys overtake me. I praise God that someone comes tomorrow and God's using, God's using them in mighty signs and wonders. I love it. I have no qualms. And I praise God that thousands are coming into the kingdom. But I want to ask you one question. He says, just like a car. Everyone sees a car from the outside, how nice it is, how it's been washed beautifully. It's got all the features, all the comfort, all the looks, the sunroof, all the beauty and the accessories. He says, but show me what's under the hood. Show me what's running this. If I open up the hood and I see this nice, nice sports-type car who can travel in 100, you know, 0 to 103 seconds on a nice freeway and does all that, but if I open up the bonnet and I see a two-cylinder lawnmower engine in there or something. So on the outside, it looks great, but what's on the inside? If I don't see word, Holy Ghost, studying, fasting, praying in this, if I don't see those things, that car's going to explode on the way up. That car's not, it's not going to have longevity. If I don't see the fabrics of the elementary principles of God on the inside of that hood, I'm glad that you've come like a hundred mile an hour and you're like, well, I'm glad. He goes, but I've seen them come and I've seen them go. But where's the longevity? What's under the hood? And you know, if we're serious, if we ask ourselves a question right now, do I ask myself this all the time? I've got a charismatic personality. I can, you know, arouse the crowd and I can make them jump through herbs and I can gather the people. I can do all that because God's gifted me in that area. But God wants to know what's under my hood. What's really in my heart? And I had to learn that the hard way. But in that process, I was willing to learn. I was willing to be teachable. See, you may not be where you're at, guys. Listen, but if you remain teachable, if you remain a heart, after God's heart, it's not over. You may have gone left. You may have gone right. You might have gone many different ways and thought, where do I belong? But it's never too late because God still got you in that refining fire. I love that analogy that the that the jeweler or the silversmith is watching over it himself. He doesn't give it to someone else to do. It's too precious. He has to do it. And he watches over it till it's right. That's what God does with us, you know that? He sits there and he's the one that's refining us through the power of the Holy Spirit. But if I don't yield myself to the Holy Spirit, he's not taking me through the fire. Because when the dross is burnt, when things come up in my life, that needs to be cut off. Just like when John was saying that he's going to, with the winning plow, with the uh, fanning plow, some other translation says the fanning rod, stripping the outer shell, stripping the chaff, Stripping the old man, stripping the flesh, stripping everything that's not of God and being burnt. You know, the, if you look at a picture, Christ never went through a fire on the cross, but he went through the fire in the spirit. Just like in, in the Passover when they burnt the lamb, they would roast the lamb, they would eat the lamb, and what was left over was burnt. There was nothing left of the lamb. The lamb was totally consumed whether they ate it or whether the fire burned it. Christ was totally consumed on that cross. Not a little bit of Christ, all of it. Even to the point when he, when he did die after being whipped, after being scourged, after being bashed, after putting thorns on his head, after ripping his beard, after being punched, after being flogged, after carrying a cross, after putting nails in his hands, nails in his feet, he was... Finally, he gave up his spirit and just uh, put a spear through him and emptied his heart. He emptied the rest of his blood. Your heart carries the your heart carries the most blood in your body. And it just leaked out. He totally emptied himself unto death. He went through the greatest fire that ever could. The greatest fire is the judgment of God. And three days later, he was rose from the dead. Hallelujah. And I'm asking you tonight, don't stop the process. Stand firm in who you know. Don't stand firm in what you know. Stand firm in who you know. His name is above every name. 
when I stand firm in the finished work of the cross, I'm standing firm. I'm yielding to his spirit. I'm conforming to Christ through his word. The victory is ours. And let me let me assure you, go back to the very first time God spoke to your heart. Go back to the very first time God spoke into your spirit, showed you something doesn't change. His love for you is eternal. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We may be going through the fire now, and maybe a lot of things we do not understand. And I'm not even talking about what's happening in the world. It could be stuff happening in your life, in your family, uh, in your relationships, in your kids, in your extended family. I'm not just talking about one issue. I'm talking about many issues. And we don't understand what's going on. And sometimes God doesn't allow us to understand. So we've got a tendency to try and fix it. But God doesn't want you to fix anything. God wants you to yield to him and let him go through that process. They want to be people that walk around the mountains. But God's preparing us for a great harvest. Let me tell you. God's preparing us for people. Every day someone's calling. Someone, these are people I don't know or people that I've met or people that know, know me through someone else. There's a, there's a hungry, hungry world out there because they're broken and busted. They've been let down. They've been disappointed. They've been lied to. And it's going to get worse. It'll get worse before it gets better. But I'm perceiving to know what the spirit of grace has. God, there's people lined up ready to hear the gospel, and he's waiting for you and I to rise up with him and say, Lord, who's, who is it today, Lord? What, what, do you, what do you want me to do today, Lord? Do I have a shirt I can give to someone who's broke? Do I have a bread that I can give to someone who's not working? Is there something I can do to relieve someone's pain in the name of our Lord while I'm going through the fire? I might be going through a fire. I might be hurting. I might be confused. And trust me, I've had those questions. But is it about me? Is it about me really? When I know I have the Lord, if I was to die tomorrow, I'm going straight to his arms. But my next door neighbor might die tomorrow and he doesn't know Jesus. Is that what I want? Am I allowing God to put me through that fiery furnace to, to there's some things in my heart I still don't know that I need to deal with. But while I'm in the process, it's a beautiful process. It gets hard, it gets strange sometimes. He's a bit counter all joy. Because his fire isn't to hurt us, his fire is to purify us. And it's no coincidence that you go through scripture after scripture after scripture. I've got about a thousand scriptures here about God's refining fire. And the fire is going to get you to the destination, to the position, and to authority that God wants in us. It's the only way. I would challenge anyone to read this whole Bible and tell me which man of God or woman of God didn't go through a fiery furnace or a wilderness or a desert. And this is something between you. As I said, some things you and it's only you and God. And then there's some things that we can get around you. It's God first. And God gets us around you. Moses was time with God and it was time with the people. And that's where we are now. So I want to encourage you with that. I want to leave you knowing that the work God started in you, he will complete. God's timing is perfect. Can I extend it? Absolutely, because of my disobedience. Absolutely, because of my unbelief. Absolutely, because of, but God has not moved. God's place in is on the throne, and we're allowed to go boldly to him. And he's going to do a perfect will in our life. And I love that. And just think about this. Everything you're going through right now, everything that God's asked you to lay down, or asked you to give up, or asked you to yield to, or asked you to consume, Rejoice because you're getting closer to him forming his image in you. That's a work of the Holy Spirit. But I have to yield to it. I have to be participant in that. And as I said with the car, the car could look great, but what's under the hood? We don't want to be shallow Christians. We don't want to be falling every time the wind comes or every time the ground shakes or every time we hear a message and it's, oh, what the, look what the news said. Look what this guy said. Look what's happening. 
We don't want to be people unstable, double-minded. We want to we want to be anchored. You know, an anchor of a boat, they throw the anchor out. The boat will sway when the wind hits, but doesn't move. It's anchored. So I want to encourage you today. Put a smile on your face. Or I'll slap it on you. Either way, you're going to have a smile. It's the joy of the Lord is our strength. Rejoice in what God's doing. Rejoice in the fact that we might be going through some hardship, but God is with us. So I'm not going through it without God. I'm going through it with God. Even if I walk in the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for you are with me. Hallelujah. That's a promise. I can guarantee you that promise. This is not a theory. I've been there. This is not something I read. I've been there. This is not something that might happen. He promises that. He promises a yes and amen. And when you look back at what you've been through, you go, wow, how did I get through that? And rejoice the fact that, hey, God is with you. He'll never leave you or forsake you. Great harvest coming, guys. There's a thousands coming to the kingdom that don't know Jesus. Amen? Hallelujah. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. We surrender our will to you. Father, you know the beginning from the end. And Lord, we ask you right now to, to come in our hearts and fill us with the joy of the Lord, to strengthen us in our inner man, that our eyes can see what you see, our ears can hear what the Spirit is saying, our hearts can perceive for the love of the Father, for the victory is ours in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I thank you for everyone that's listened to my sound of my voice. Lord, I ask you to fill them with joy. Protect them, Holy Spirit. Send those holy angels around their families, Lord. Lord, that people that if their minds are being bl blinded by the enemy, the spirit of death that come upon them, we rebuke it in Jesus' name. We ask you, Father, that everyone that walks into a house, the glory of the Lord walks with them that touches their neighbours, touches their family members. I thank you for the peace that passes all understanding. Lord, I give you praise and honour that you would give us the words to speak. We thank you, Father, for the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord, that the work you start, you will complete. And we lift up the name of Jesus now. His name is above every name. His name is above every situation. His name is about every circumstance that arises. The devil has thrown his best shot, but Christ is risen and gone before us. We stand firm in the things of the Spirit and we declare that Jesus is Lord over this city, over this country, over our leaders, over every word spoken, that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. And I thank you, Father. I thank you, Father, that you raise up a generation of people that that would hear what the Spirit of grace has to say. And as your word, you will come and defend the, the, the widow and the orphan and the people that get robbed, Father. You will send your mighty spirit to reconcile man. And I thank you for that. I thank you the victory is yours. I thank you, Father, for the finished work of the cross. And I give you all the praise, Lord. Lord, we need your wisdom from above in this situation. But I thank you that you're refining us like silver and gold. We thank you for your precious, precious love in our hearts. Lord, if people don't know you as Lord and Saviour, if anyone's listening to the sound of my voice on YouTube, on Facebook, it's never too late to bow your hearts to the Lordship of Jesus. Jesus only requires one thing of you, that you repent of your sins and you make him the Lord of your life. Just bow your hearts and pray that, Father, I, I repent of my sins. I make you my Lord and my Saviour. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you for washing me with your blood. Thank you for writing my name in the Lamb's Book of Life. And today is a new day. Today I rejoice in the knowledge that the Father loves me. I thank you, Father, for what Jesus has done. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. I pray that 
you're blessed tonight. And, and I pray that if, you, if you're new and you've just given your life to Jesus, it's the greatest thing you've ever done. He knows you. He loves you. He's calling you. Walk as the spirit of grace leads you. We're here for you. If you want to get in contact with us, you, we have a Facebook. Uh, inbox us, email us. Uh, he sent his word. But bless you tonight. And I really believe that the best is yet to come, honestly. I'm so excited uh, about what the Lord's about to do. Uh, God is not lost control. He hears our cries. We just remain in faith, hope, and love. So I bless you in Jesus' name.